Seems like as you get older, those steps right there become higher. Not sure what the deal on that is. Good evening, and welcome to everyone here, and of course, watching on live stream. I'd like to go ahead and take this opportunity, as I always do, and always uh, say thank you for allowing me to be behind this pulpit. It is something that I never take lightly. It is always an honor and a privilege, so thank you. Tonight, we will be examining the question... As a Christian, are you prepared for spiritual warfare? And before we go that direction, let us bow our heads and let us pray. Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, truly for this day. Thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to be able to bring this message. I pray, dear Lord, now that you'll be able to go ahead and give me the wisdom to be able to say the things that you would want me to say. And I pray, dear Father, that each and every one of us that will be like sponges ready to absorb the word and then, of course, then apply it to our life. I pray, dear Lord, that you just look after us and guide us. And I just want to say, dear Lord, how much we love you. I pray, dear Lord, that during this message, that guardian angel shall be encamped about us. And Lord, that you just have your hand now upon this word. In this message, in your precious name, Jesus, do we pray and ask and commit all these things. Amen. <clears throat> so as mentioned, we will be examining the question, as a Christian, are you prepared for spiritual warfare? The first question that has to be posed is, what is a Christian? Who is a Christian? It is imperative to know that just because you're born in a Christian family does not mean that you are a Christian. Just because you go to church whenever the doors are open does not mean that you are a Christian. Just because you give your talents to the church does not mean that you are a Christian. Just because you give of your time to the church does not mean that you are a Christian. Just because you are active in the community and you're doing all kinds of things does not mean that you are a Christian. There is simply no way that anyone can be a Christian by his or her own strength, position, talent, Riches or knowledge. Billy Sunday said, Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. A true Christian is one who has put their faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and believed in Him. We read in Romans 10, 9-13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man 
believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Acts 16, 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. That's right. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Billy Graham said, the word believe in the Bible means more than simply agreeing in our minds that something might be true. It means trust, that we believe so strongly in God that we are willing to commit our lives to Him and live the way that He wants us to live. End of quote. We see here in Luke, when Jesus was hung on the cross, it was here that he found himself between two thieves. One was on his right and the other was on his left. Both of them were thieves. Both of them had the same criminal behavior. But it was very obvious that one was different than the other. Starting in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43, and one of the malefactors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And if we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Once you ex have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, just like here what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is interesting, because as I already started composing this message together some time ago, Brother Mike Jones, a couple of weeks ago, went ahead and cited this particular verse. Brother Bill Hill, the other night, when he brought the message, he brought this verse up, and it is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The word says that we are new creatures. It means that everything about us has changed. The old man is dead, crucified with Christ. All things are become new. We are a new creation. We ought to look at things differently, as if we just got a new pair of glasses. The new creature has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. We should have a mindset of life around us, a mindset of what we ought to do because of who we serve and what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has done for each and every one of us. The old refers to the part where we outwardly now before we had those habits, those bad habits, those works, and love of sin. The old nature should be removed. 
The new now looks outwardly toward Christ versus instantly or instead of inwardly looking within ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. The question that comes to mind is, what is an ambassador? What is an ambassador? According to the dictionary, it is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as his official representative to a foreign country. It is a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specific activity. Appointed for a special and often temporary assignment. And it's interesting when we relate this to us as being an ambassador for Christ. The dictionary says that an ambassador acts as a representative or promoter. And since we have the good news and we know of its powerful saving message, we, as an ambassador for Christ, ought to promote, support, getting it out to as many as we can. The dictionary goes on to say that an ambassador is appointed for a special assignment. Absolutely, it is a special assignment. Think of that. As a Christian, you are an ambassador for Christ. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful counselor, and he's our high priest. How special is that, that you are an ambassador for him? The dictionary also says that it is appointed for a temporary assignment, lasting only for a limited time. We know that in James 4.14, we read, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanished away. Our position here on earth is a short one. And as we read in James 4.14, according to 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To be present with the Lord when we're absent from the body. So you think about that. Our life is like vapor. So you come to know Christ as your Savior. You're an ambassador here only for a temporary time. Because what is your life? It is like vapor. And then before you know it, to be absent from the body will be present with the Lord. As an ambassador, we have a responsibility of carrying out this duty. Our allegiance should be first to Jesus Christ. We are to stand firm in our faith in all that we do. But not only are we ambassadors for Christ, but the Holy Spirit dwells within us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19.20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own. 
for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We see here in John chapter 14, Jesus was sharing with his disciples that when he leaves, that he will not leave them comfortless. John 14, 16 through 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you a comforter, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. We see here that Jesus, Jesus did not want his disciples to be discouraged or for them to be troubled in their hearts, but that the Holy Spirit will come. Philippians 16, says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be adopted in the family of God, also means that we become citizens of an eternal kingdom, where our heavenly Father is king. We are citizens in heaven. Now, when do you think about that? For those of us here tonight that has aches, pains, well, we feel it in our bodies. We feel it in our knees. We feel it in our shoulders. And we feel it in our backs. And then when we get, of course, hit with those migraine headaches that seem to hit whenever they want, throughout the day, throughout the week, or whenever. For those of you that might have an illness or a sickness, or can't walk, talk, or hear. We read in Revelation 21, 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It is clearly written here in God's word, neither shall there be any more pain. Praise God. Hallelujah. No more pain. Of course, we see likewise in Philippians 3.21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Yes, we will also then get a new body where we won't have to suffer with those aches and those pains. In heaven, the blind will see. They will receive their sight. The lame, they'll walk, and the deaf shall hear. Free from all pain and to boot, the Bible says that we're going to get new bodies. We have also been adopted into God's family, according to John chapter 1, 12 through 13. But as many as received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was back in 6 December, 1981, after I heard a powerful message about how I needed to believe in Jesus Christ. 
<clears throat> and that my works alone was not going to get me into heaven. Because without Christ, I was going to go straight to hell. It was while they were playing the song, Just As I Am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come just as I am. I had to tear myself away from the pew. I still remember it today. It was like my hands were just glued to the pews. And I had to break them free. And once I went ahead and I took one step out into the aisle. And then the next step. And then the next step. You want to talk about a spiritual battle. I looked back and it was like my body was locked. But as soon as I went ahead and I advanced forward, it was like it became released. And before I knew it, I was up in the front. And I went ahead and I came to know Christ as my Savior. I knew that when I left, that if I was to take my last breath, I knew where I would end up. I would be up in heaven. So once I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, this is when I became a new creature. I became a creation. I became an ambassador for Christ. I now have the Holy Spirit who's my comforter. I've been adopted. I have citizenship up in heaven. And likewise, the day that when you went ahead and gave your life to Christ and you believed in him, you likewise also became a new creature. You were a new creation. You became an ambassador for Christ. You had the Holy Spirit as the comforter dwelling within you. You have been adopted. And you've received citizenship to heaven. Now that is who we are as a Christian. That is what a Christian is. It is important to know that first. Because now as we start looking toward the rest of 2023, as we move forward, you as a Christian need to be prepared for that spiritual battle. We would be amazed if we would be able to go ahead and remove that spiritual veil and get a glimpse of the battle that goes on around us. We would be shocked. We would be amazed. But it's real. And it goes on. As a Christian, we must learn how to fight, how to win and fight the spiritual battle that's taking place around us within the spiritual realm. The best part about all of this is that God has given each and every one of us, the resources. We just have to tap into it. We need to be alert. We need to have what we call situational awareness. Aware that, yes, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. We need to be prepared. We need to remain vigilant. We need to continue to be encouraged. Here in Hebrews 10, 25 not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the man or some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What I like about the idea of when we come together for Wednesdays and when we lift up prayers, we bring our prayer requests, we encourage one another. We pray for one another. That's what they're talking about here. 
and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We read in the words of Paul in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now this is interesting what we just went ahead and read here. And we're going to break it out real quickly. First thing that we see here is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He makes it quite clear that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The battle that we engage in is a spiritual battle, not a physical ba battle. This is a type of battle that you can't go against your enemy by using a knife, landmines, booby traps, handgun, machine guns, laser guns, tanks, fighter jets, battleships, or use of any biological, radiological, or chemical weapons of this, all would be useless in a spiritual battle. Now you think about this. Some 2,000 years ago, way back then, Paul's already telling us this is how you're going to win the spiritual battle. And all these modern weapons that we have today, it's not going to work. That's not how you're going to fight this battle. Because the battle that we fight is within the spiritual realm, not in the physical. Hence the reason why it's so important, he says here, to wear the whole armor of God. We see in Ephesians chapter 6 the various pieces that consist of the armor of God that we should be wearing. To go in battle without any part of your gear is not a wise thing to do, considering that God's word sets to put it on the whole armor of God, the belt of truth. During the times of Paul, a Roman soldier would wear a wide leather belt around their waist that would hold their tunic in place. We see that the word tells us to put on the belt of truth. In John chapter 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The truth. We see here in John chapter, John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan, our enemy, he's a liar. We saw that in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Of course, we know that it did happen. We must live truthful lives, living a life of honesty and one of integrity. Second piece of armor that we're uh, instructed to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. A soldier should wear the breastplate to protect their vital organs. It would cover their upper torso, and it was fitted with buckles and loops that ensured that it was secured against their body. It protected them against spears and darts. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The breastplate of righteousness is likened to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus at the cross. And we need to strive to live a life of righteousness. And it should be evident within our life. Not just only when we're here in church, but when we're out there on the battlefield, when we're there within our work environment, when we're there in our neighborhood. It needs to be evident. They need to be able to see there's something different about you. Next piece of armor would be the footwear. It would protect them during these long marches into battle. It consisted of a thick sole with spikes on the bottom of it. The nails on the bottom of their footwear allow them to stand firm while engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy. Likewise, we need to be prepared ourselves to stand firm. Hold your ground. No matter what would happen, hold your ground. In 1 Peter 5, 8-9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We should be ready at all times to proclaim the good news of Christ. Fourth piece of armor that we see is the shield of faith. A Roman soldier went ahead and took with him in the battle a shield that was used during combat. It was durable enough to withstand the enemy's fiery darts. It was about four feet tall. It was about two and a half feet wide. It was made of wood leather. It had metal at the bottom and on the top. And the shield that they used, they went ahead and they used it against the fiery darts. This is how our faith likewise will serve as the same purpose to us as we engage in spiritual battle to have that faith. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Fifth piece of armor we see is the helmet of salvation. The helmet is used by a Roman soldier to protect his head from attacks. It will cover his whole entire head between the eyes. 
and his face. We know that people wear helmets today, such as football players, motorcycle riders, construction workers, and yes, even our current military members still wear helmets when they engage in the battle. Paul is letting us know here that a helmet is essential for us to wear when we go into battle. It protects the brain, which is like the control center for the rest of the body. If the control center is whacked, it could take out the rest of the body. The devil will try to mess with your mind. He will attempt to send doubt your way. He will try to create discouragement into your life. The attack on your mind is real. Our minds are battlefields. What is it that you, myself, are allowing into our minds? What we see and what we hear. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The sixth piece of armor we see is the sword. A Roman soldier would have been very familiar with the sword and the use of it during combat. A soldier and his sword, they would become one because the soldier knew that he had to, to depend on his sword during the battle. Likewise, we need to ensure that we become familiar with God's word. We can use the word in spiritual battle by memorizing it. Psalms 119.911 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We can use the word in spiritual battle by teaching it to others. We can use the word in spiritual battle by studying it. And we can use the word in spiritual battle by telling others about the good news. Seventh piece of armor is the armor of God's prayer. We see here that it is prayer that brings everything together. And we need to pray the armor of God over our lives, over our, the lives of our loved ones that know Christ as their Savior. We need to have prayer in our lives at all times. We find that we will have victory when we become praying warriors. A praying warrior is one who takes part in the spiritual battle through prayer. Now, as we move forward, we need to remember to wear the whole armor of God. We know that we are living during some very dark times in America. And the world, for that fact, it seems like is continually getting darker. You can see that stuff in the news. You can see that stuff in the commercials, on TV. It's during these times that we need to ensure that we continually wear the whole armor of God. We are engaged in a real supernatural war. The old devil would like you to think that he does not exist and that everything in life is good to go. But that is far from the truth. The war is between light and darkness. Christ our Lord and Savior representing the light and darkness being rep represented by the devil and his sidekick, the demons. He would want you to think that it's a fake war. He would want you to think that it's a make-believe war. 
but it is a real one. It's going on 24-7, 365 a year. They don't take breaks. If we could remove that spiritual veil and see the battle before us, we would be totally amazed. This is a war where Satan wants to take out your spouse. He's playing for keeps. He wants to take out your children, your finances, your relationships, your loved ones. If you are currently working in the adult growth group, Awanas, Bambinos, Kids, Bible Study, BBC Ministry, C4D Apologetics, Children's Ministry, Diamond Ministry, Gumshoes Junior Bible Study, Ladies Ministry, Men's Ministry, Thrive Youth Group, Driving Ministry, and even our nursery workers. Every one of you, because of your capacity of where you're working at, and what you're doing for Christ, you have a target on your back as well. Therefore, knowing that, that much more should we prepare ourselves and wear the whole armor of God. Yes, there are real demonic forces that does exist. It is a war that is between good and evil. This is a spiritual battle to the finish. It's not like, okay, hey, you can just tag out, you know, if you had enough. No. He's there to take you out. He wants to destroy your testimony. It is a war between Christ and Antichrist. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. According to Joshua 1.9, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When we think about God's powerful words, what he's telling us here, wow, he's got us. He's got our back. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3. Two or three to five, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Romans eight thirty seven through 39. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, that's right. God's word says, you us, we're more than conquerors through Christ and nothing. No, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Satan, he attacks you because you are a new creature. Satan attacks you because you are an ambassador for Christ. 
Satan attacks you because you have citizenship in heaven. Satan attacks you because you have been adopted. And you're God's child. And he attacks you because you have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Matthew 5, 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Satan attacks you because you are light and he is full of darkness. So the Bible tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Ye are a soldier of the cross. And God has equipped us for the battle that we are to engage in. He has given you strength to be overcomers of this world. No matter how difficult those hurdles will be at times in front of us, He's going to be there with us. No matter how deep that valley might be that we're probably in, He's going to be there with you. He's always there with us. He gives us strength to overcome. You have the Word of God on your side. You are a threat to Satan. That is why the devil wants to destroy you. But you, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Because the victory is already ours. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So as a Christian, from a biblical standpoint, as we know that this world is getting darker, let us ensure that we are wearing the whole armor of God. Let us be prepared for those spiritual battles. They will come. They will come when you least expect them. But here, in God's Word, He's told us what we need to wear and how to be prepared. Let us pray. Father, once again, we do thank you, dear Lord, for your precious Word. We thank you, dear Lord, how you have given us the instructions. You have given us the guidance. You have given us everything that we need to be able to be prepared for the spiritual battle. We thank you, dear Lord, for just how you're always there for us. We thank you, dear Lord, for your love. We thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for your mercy. We thank you, dear Lord, for just all that you've done for us. I pray, dear Lord, that we'll remember as your children to put on the whole armor of God and that we'll stand firm. That will, that will hold our ground. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you have done. Lord, all that you're going to do. For it's in your precious name, Jesus, do we pray, ask, and commit all of these things. Amen.